Hey, hey, Donna Price here, the host of Visionary Womenpreneurs Radio. I am thrilled that you have joined the show so that you can hear from Visionary Womenpreneurs, their journey to success, the challenges, the hurdles, the successes, and the celebrations to making a difference in the world. We believe that Visionary Womenpreneurs impact not only their families, their customers, their clients, but also their communities, and that ripples out into the world. When you're a successful entrepreneur, you make a difference. This show is all about how to do that, how to become a visionary womenpreneur and make it big in the world. I'm excited to bring to you guests and episodes focused on business building strategies for your success. So let's get started. Welcome to Visionary Womenpreneurs Radio. Hey, hey, welcome to Visionary Womenpreneurs Radio. I'm your host, Donna Price, and I am thrilled to have you here today. Visionary Womenpreneurs Radio, we talk about the women that are changing the world through their entrepreneurship as womenpreneurs. Today, I have an incredible guest, Echo Hong, and she is the author of Own Your Own Future, just came out this month, May 5th, and the hard copy's coming out in June. So Echo has an incredible story. She left China at the age of 20 to cross the ocean with nothing but $800 in her pocket and the hope of achieving the American dream. Her courage and dedication fueled her journey through the business world over the next 20 years, gaining experience working in financial planning firms of all sizes before venturing off on her own. Today, as founder and president of Echo Wealth Management with multiple designations such as CFP, Certified Public Accountant License, and Chartered Financial Analyst Charter, ECHO helps the country's top executives and entrepreneurs take the complexity out of their finances, giving them the confidence to follow their dreams and achieve their goals. I am excited to talk with ECHO today because she, her story is incredible. So join me in welcoming ECHO Hung to the show today. Great. Well, Echo, welcome to Visionary Womenpreneurs Radio. I am so thrilled to have you here today from Minnesota, I think, right? Yes, um, right here in the Twin Cities, Minnesota. Uh, nice. Of course, it's nice out right now. No snowstorm, so um, spring weather. Yes, it's beautiful here in New Jersey. I think it was like 85 today, so wow. it was really nice. Um, <laughs> our first day, like where it was warm, so we're thankful for it. Yeah, I'm very pleased to be on the show to share my story here. Well, I'm so thrilled to have you, and I wanted to start just um, because your story of coming to the United States and getting started as a young woman here is so incredible. So why don't you tell us about that journey and how, why you wanted to come here and how you got here? Yeah, I know it's going to be a long story, so I'm going to really make it 
a condensed version. And uh, so I was born and raised in China, in southern part of China. And my parents were uh, high school teachers. We, we live in very rural villages uh, for the first eight years of my life because without uh, reliable electricity and no running water. My parents finally uh, found an opportunity to move out of villages to a place called Shenzhen. That was a fishing village at that time on the border of Hong Kong. But today, if you Google Shenzhen, uh, it's like Silicon Valley in China. And uh, I think 15 million to 17 million people living in Shenzhen. So when I was there as a teenager, I was able to watch Hong Kong TV using the antenna on the balcony. So I was exposed to the Western uh, you know, news at the same time while listening to the government, you know, the TV or radio uh, in mainland China. I always wanted to travel the world, but China was a closed society. We couldn't leave freely. And uh, I, one day I had the opportunity, um, well, actually I didn't go to regular high school. I went to school of business and economics and I got my accounting diploma when I was 17 years old. Wow. And yeah, so that I didn't go with the traditional path either. Yeah. And uh, I had a great job uh, with the Bank of China when I was 17. And uh, at that time, the Bank of China was the only bank in China that handled foreign currency, for, uh, foreign currency exchange. And so I, was really, I had a big dream. Someday I would travel the world, but I didn't know where to start. So I was taking English classes at night uh, for three years, thinking someday I would use it. And uh, when I was 20, the opportunity came because my uncle uh, went to University of Idaho as a visiting scholar uh, for two years. And wow. he, he knew my dream uh, yeah. because I was talking about it as a teenager. So he called me up and say he would try to help me as much as he can, you know, to make the whole story short, I quit my job. And then nine months later, I was in the US. I was fortunate to get this very precious uh, full-time student visa to study finance uh, in the US. And, um, and talking about the obstacles, certainly there are many obstacles yeah. and uh, to Fast forward, I moved to Minnesota because I received a scholarship uh, to be able to pay resident tuition by introducing my culture to local community while maintaining a high GPA. So that's how I ended up in Minnesota. And I changed my major from finance to accounting before graduation. That was a decision because the employment situation was pretty bad. And yeah. uh, as a foreign student, I had to do something to get a job. And I think I was told by a professor, if you become, if you can pass CPA exam, you should have a job. Yeah. And it was true. <laughs> I actually had a job before I passed the exam, of course. Uh, so I started out as actually tax CPA. Uh, working for one of the big six accounting firms in the world, uh, KPMG, Pete Marwick in downtown Minneapolis. So I worked as a senior tax specialist serving uh, corporate executives and wealthy families uh, to help them prepare tax returns and also uh, financial planning for a fee.
And so I was there for more than three years and loved the financial planning part of it. I just didn't like the tax season that much. <laughs> None of us <laughs> like the tax season that much. <laughs> it, it, after three tax seasons, I said to myself, I, I needed something that I want to feel more passionate about in order to continue this journey. So yeah. I made a very uh, dramatic change in 2000 to going from very conservative occupation as tax CPA for a big firm to be a financial advisor. I, I, I think if you remember 2000, um, the stock market was just started to decline. So the timing wasn't great for someone like me trying to get into a very male dominated industry as a financial yeah. advisor, as a, you know, I, I call myself triple minority, new immigrant woman, Asian woman right. in personal yeah. wealth management. And uh, so I made that change. Um, I never regretted, obviously, because now I can tell the story because I actually survived the 2000 market crash. And I think the main obstacle at that time was, for me anyway, was a lot of investors uh, did not really know, did not do any financial planning. They, uh, you know, because they experienced the bull market for a decade, any money they put in the stock market, they made a lot of money. Yeah. And then they were very fearful that when markets started crashing and didn't know what to go by because they did not really know financial planning. They did not know behavioral finance. So I felt that it was really important for me to transfer my analytical skills to help people prepare a solid cash flow financial plan for a fee. And I think today it's so common. It's more and more common, but I think in 2000, it was still what I consider was like a pioneer. You, right. you yeah. are not getting paid commission by selling mutual funds. Instead, you are preparing a financial plan and charge a fee because you believe that helps. And that's what I, how I started. Another obstacle was how do you manage uh, client expectation? And it was so difficult, I think, as a young person, you know, I was um, 30 looking really like 22 and yeah. um, for to gain people's trust and say, yes, I have training to manage your money. So I think um, to gain the trust, um, I had to read many books about behavioral finance to help people manage their emotions and biases. Uh, combined with uh, cash flow planning, I think the first three years in this business, I survived by really sticking with what I believe is most helpful in terms of what clients will benefit in the long term. So that's the beginning. And then in 2003, I left that firm and start my own business the first time. And so going out 100% as an entrepreneur the first time in 2003 wasn't easy either because um, I think at that time I didn't have a website. Just remember, nowadays everyone has a website, but everyone. I think in two, everyone now has a website. But in 2003, I had an email address. And so, uh, you know, for several years, I was just focusing on networking and gather asset to about like $20 million um, over three years. And after that, I combined my business. I merged with um, another firm, a smaller firm in Minnesota as a partner there. So I was there for a decade, uh, focusing on uh, utilizing 
better tools to provide very specialized planning for corporate executives uh, with Fortune 500 companies. So during that 10 years, I, I created a great reputation locally to serve a corporate executive because I used to serve these type of people as a tax CPA. So right. I think for me, if I think for some financial advisors, maybe it's intimidating, but I think for me, that's exactly where I fit in well because I'm very analytical. And at the same time, the complexity of compensation fits me perfectly, right? Like tax planning, stock option planning. So I was there for 10 years and then five years ago, actually uh, exactly February, 2015, I left that firm and start Echo Wealth Management. So now I own this company for five, uh, more than five years now, and uh, my team and I manage more than $100 million for, I believe today is like 83 households. Wow. And so this is where I am today. And uh, so that's kind of like a quick overview of where I was and what I have gone through in terms of working for large companies. And then... Uh, started my own as a solo and then merged to a small firm as a partner and then now 100% started all over again five years ago on my own and now I have a team. Cool. I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning because <laughs> one of the things that you said early on in your story was that you ended up with an opportunity to come to the United States because you, your uncle knew about your dream. Yeah. And I think that um, in my, I have a book called Launching Your Dreams. And it's one of the things I talk about is like when you tell people about your dream, they can step forward and help you in a lot of different ways. Exactly. And if you hadn't told people about your dream to travel or, you know, however mm -hmm. you phrased it, then you wouldn't be here. Exactly. Today. Yeah, or exactly. maybe you'd be here, but it wouldn't have happened in the same way. And so I think that's just such an important lesson for people because I think we um, hesitate to share our dream and our vision. You know, one, because we don't want people to stomp on it, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there's like some people have a fear that somebody's going to steal it, you know, and... <laughs> <laughs> and run away with it or something and what I found was as soon as I started telling people different pieces of the dream started appearing because people yes. would say you need to talk to this person or I want to introduce you to this person or mm -hmm. here you know here's this resource did you know about this yes. and it's because of that sharing um, that dreams actually happen you know, we make them happen, but if we don't talk about them, I think it takes yes. longer. <laughs> I, I totally agree. And a little bit more things, a little bit more to share about my dream at that time was as a teenager, I read many books written by an author from Taiwan. Uh, her name uh, was San Mao, but her Chinese English name was Echo, E-C-H-O, Echo. So Echo Chan uh, was her name when she traveled outside of Taiwan. And she was able, she was my role model because she traveled to more than 50 countries as a single person 
and wrote yeah. stories about people living in different countries. Just imagine how fascinating that was for a teenager like me, couldn't leave the country. So I said, you know, someday I want to experience that. And I, by sharing that with my uncle and other people, even though it was not very realistic, but it was so good because I knew, you know, otherwise I wouldn't be able to, you know, take the opportunity. And when I came to the U.S., the first month when people mispronounced my Chinese name, yeah, I said, I'm just going to take Echo's name as my middle name. So <laughs> that's the story about my name. <laughs> that's great. That's great. The other thing that um, I thought of while you were talking was just how you've made big changes on your journey. And I know for me, like three of the principles or that I live by is our courage that mm -hmm. takes courage mm -hmm. to, to be an entrepreneur or a woman working in business. You have to be willing to risk and yes. take risks to do it. Mm -hmm. And then perseverance, like yeah. you've continued to persevere and and shift and change so that mm -hmm. it was what you want it to be. But uh, yeah, Donna, that that's you know you have the three things and what I I wrote this new book um, on your future, uh, one woman's story of immigration and financial freedom that came out last month. I put down, uh, I share seven core principles in the book. So the first one is daring to dream. So as you mentioned, it's really important. Yep. The second one is being adaptable. Because I had to in order to, you know, uh, get to where I am right now. The third one is respecting education. Because along the way, I believe it was really important for me to pass the CPA exam I did in order to gain people's trust at age 30 to manage millions of dollars, I, yeah. I took the CFP exam, right? And then, you know, uh, what, 17, and then a few years ago, I thought, well, why not just take the CFA exam as well and get the CFA designation? So that was one principle. Another one is setting goals. And after that is the utilizing smart and deliberate deliberate planning to achieve success. Um, I've talked about seizing opportunities when they arise, as you know, you can yeah. see if, if they show up and you're not ready to do it, it's not gonna work. And I think the last principle I have is uh, benefiting from the wisdom of others. And I really appreciate that you are doing this by bringing women entrepreneurs and share their experiences because what I realized over the past 20 some years is I have benefited from the wisdom of many people. And uh, part of what I have done is really network. I have a study group, Goddesses of Financial Planning. We got a, we are all exclusive women financial advisors get together monthly nice. for two hours <laughs> breakfast. So I, I, I think you're right on in terms of we do need to make sure we have some principles to follow because a journey is always un unpredictable. Definitely, definitely. I started reading your book last night. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great so far. Um, so Thank I encourage you. people to 
um, go to your website and look for the book, Own Your Future, or it's on Amazon as well. Yeah. Um, and the website will be down in the show notes. And um, one of the things I wanted to talk about that you mentioned in the book is that you don't have to be like super wealthy mm -hmm. to manage wealth. Yes. And I think that it's an important principle mm -hmm. that like if you're an entrepreneur, like managing your wealth from the very beginning is part of your responsibility as an entrepreneur, as the CEO or yeah. whatever you call yourself mm -hmm. as the head of your company. Um, but it's also how you enable your company to grow and have an impact on your family, the community, the world. Um, so what are some of the important things? And I think people get scared, like, oh, I, you know, I don't have enough money to have a financial planner. So talk a little bit about the importance of showing up for that part of your business, even if you don't feel like you've got enough money to do it. Yeah, it's so important for me to get that message out. Uh, that That's why I need to write a book about it. Because I think wealth management can be complicated, but it doesn't have to be. That is a really important thing for people to remember. If you have the tools and you have someone you can trust, it's a process that you can work through. And um, why do I certainly believe that wealth management is not just for the wealthy. Since you know my story, I came here with $800 in my pocket and my English was terrible <laughs> at the beginning. Yeah. So certainly the wealth, the way I define it is, it's your resources, right? Wealth is, you know, it could be your health. When you're healthy, that's you're able to earn income. So wealth and health go together. So for people who don't have a lot of money yet, what they need to understand is there are something they can learn at every stage of their financial status. So if you don't have a lot of money, you still need to have a budget, right? You still need to have understand cash flow. And you still need to build a healthy money habit, just like a going to a gym, you need to work out. It's not going to take like 10 days. You're going to be a really fit person. It could take two years and I'm just, ready for it. Just thinking about <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't do it, right? Doesn't do it. So what I want to, you know, by writing this book, I, want, I do want to first explain, you know, my dream when I started, I would say before I started this new company five years ago, is to simplify wealth management service by helping successful and busy professionals and entrepreneurs to build their financial confidence to own their future and to follow their dreams. So everybody will you know, definitely have dreams. How do we do it? I think it's really important for me to explain the basic tools in the book. I want to show tell one of the important tools mentioned in my book is Echo Dashboard. So Echo Dashboard really show you like how to consolidate and track all your accounts and then project your cash flow and net worth year by year to age 95 because you, you need to visualize how that will go, right? With right. numbers, not just the picture, you know, in your head, yeah. you need to see some numbers. And then also as we work with clients, we certainly want to address their retirement goal, asset allocation, like how to reduce risk and education funding goal if they have kids who are going to college. 
tax planning is so important nowadays. It's not just one-year planning. It has to be multi-year planning. And tax laws keep changing. Yes. Insurance review. Every type of insurance, life insurance, disability insurance, property casualty insurance, and estate planning. Because we, oh, this coronavirus thing, we, even myself, this month, I review my own estate plan. Okay, so yes. it's, it's kind of like I want people to understand there is a process, what they need to go through. In general, for clients we work with, the first year of this engagement is we assess their dreams and goals and custom build the Echo Dashboard for each family that would address all these areas that I just mentioned. So it's a 12-month 12 engagement, but normally we get it done in, in the first six months, but then the following six months is more about tweaking and implementing and monitoring. So in that case, for people who say, you know, I don't have a lot of money right now, but I still feel that I can get a benefit from people who can guide me through understanding where money comes in and goes out. Cash flow is important for entrepreneurs. It's so important because yes. businesses fail. It's sometimes it's not because they have bad ideas. It's that they ran out of money before they, they succeed, right? So yeah. I think a cash flow planning is just really critical. And another thing, the message I really want people to understand is um, they need to understand how to build a dream team to manage wealth. So in my book, there's one chapter just about understanding the roles of financial planner tax CPA, insurance agent, estate attorney, you may need a banker, you may need a bookkeeper. You know, these people, what I do is I coordinate that. So I help clients figure out if they already have some people they trust and love. I want to be part of the team. If they don't have anybody, then I help them create a team. So it's important to understand each person, each professional's role and how they work together to implement the plan. So it's, it's not something they can just do once and forget it. I think the fitness analogy is probably really good. You can have the gym membership, if you don't show up and do your work, it's not going to benefit you. Definitely. Uh, and the fitness coach, I, I would say, is probably similar to like my role. So for people who are at their turning point, like either consider career change or they, if they get a divorce or become a widow or they are launching a new business, um, at a juncture, they believe they can benefit more by hiring someone who has done this for people many times and there is process and tools. That's when I think people should think about, they can learn a lot from my book in terms of some things you can do it on your own, but they can also look at the resources. I have resources, links for them to go, how to search for financial advisor, how to interview them, because that's what I believe this book will help more people. Uh, because I can't serve everybody, but I certainly hope the book can help more people. It sounds like it can. And those sound like great tools that people could use to identify who those people are on their, their dream team. And I love that phrasing. Mm -hmm. 
we're kind of connected on the dream thing. Remember, you were talking about the dream, and I have the dream on my tagline. I uh, on my company website is like a, a confidence to follow your dreams, and I yeah. think people initially probably thinking, what is this financial advisor's website? Yes, it's financial advisor's website. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and putting together that team is really important. And I like the dashboard too because when you start looking at those things, and we have like these amazing computers now that do all the calculating for you. You don't need, you know, to be doing it all on, you know, pen and paper and figuring it all out. So you can actually be engaged just watching how it's having an impact on your whole picture. You know, and, and that yeah. that seems fun. <laughs> yeah, the way I see Echo Dashboard, what it can do, because I do that for myself too. You know, this is what I do that will guide me make, uh, making important decisions. Clients don't really have to do a lot of work because they just need to understand we are do creating this whole thing behind the scene. Yep. They just need to pull up their iPad or whatever iPhone, to look at the projection and because the balances are updated every single night so it's constantly updated you know for yeah. clients with stock options as long as we track the stock options restricted stock by the shares the prices will automatically calculate every single night so it's for me anyway i truly believe that today the time we should spend with clients should be asking really good questions, get to know them so that we can help, we can manage their expectations better, especially during market crash. We spend less time gathering data because I've already have a website with everything about them. And right. so that's where I see initially the first year takes a lot of time to up, to go through every single new client, but ongoing, Clients are very happy because they they don't have to give us statements anymore, right? It's already linked up and they can see it every single day. And it's much easier for husband and wife to stay on the same page. There is one client who told me years later when I, because he's very highly educated corporate executive in finance for Fortune. 500 companies and years later I said you know what was the number one reason you chose me I mean you have a lot of choices or you just do yeah. it yourself and he's and his wife both said it was really helpful for them to go through this whole financial planning process so that they are on the same page because deciding when to retire is such a big decision when they are not working with trusted advisor he just didn't feel he had enough money to retire. Right. He's just constantly feeling maybe not enough. You know, it's kind of, so it's important to be able to ask some, like in another objective person who has done many scenarios to show you. And then they both feel so much more comfortable about seeing this cash flow projection to age 95 and they can still give to charity, fulfill their charitable goals. And so I think it's important for us to utilize various tools. And we, I also mentioned about other tools to assess each person's risk profile as well. Uh, so just imagine when market crashed 35% within a month, if you do not know your own risk preference or how that would match your portfolio risk, it's a very scary time for a lot of people. 
Yeah, because not everybody has the knowledge and expertise to understand what kind of risk they are currently taking in their portfolio, especially for people who are closer to retirement or just retired. Right. So I think for a lot of people, it's, yes, certainly there are some people who will do it yourself. But personally, I noticed that very successful people like entrepreneurs and corporate executives don't actually want to do it themselves. Because I think these people in general, they know how valuable their time. You could imagine that time is so valuable and they know how complicated it could be if they have to learn everything and after working 12 hours, they still have to think about which investment to buy or sell. So I think people need to understand that they don't have to do it alone, regardless if they are very wealthy or they're just starting out because there are many financial advisors who have certified financial planner designation who can act ethically to you know treat you with like fiduciary responsibility look out for your best interest and different financial advisors have some don't have minimum at all and some are by hours, some have minimums. So for my firm, it, I don't use the investment balance alone as a criteria when I select client, because I get this question quite often from people. They was like, oh, Echo, you know, how much do I need to have before I could come to your firm? And what I normally say is, if people finish reading my book, they kind of know my process, obviously, but then yeah. they need to understand that I charge a fee the first year to help people. That's how we could be in business, right? But I, what I can guarantee is in general, the first year, depending on complexity, we have 2000 to $6,000 fee for the first year. That's pretty common for every single new client comes through the door, depending yeah. on complexity. But then ongoing, we dramatically cut down that fee for the future years because we have already done the complicated stuff the first 12 months. So most clients see 50% discount the second year and going forward, but they are getting everything. Like, as you can see, complexity, like tax planning and everything ongoing, tracking their stock options and everything. For the investment piece, it's really simple. I, I, I don't think a lot of advisors put their fee schedule on, my, on their website. I do, because I believe that it has to be so easy to see. It's like, first $1 million annual fee is 1%, and then the next 2 million, it goes down to 0.8%, and then the next 7 million, it goes down further. So right. it's not difficult for people to see that uh, we want to grow the asset over time as well. And we certainly hope clients trust us after the first, after the planning, that we can help them consolidate some accounts as well so that we can do more tax efficiency kind of tax planning by investing in the right kind of investment strategies if I have more control on the investments. Yep. Well, one of the things that you said that I think is important for people is um, putting that whole plan together. Mm -hmm. And earlier you talked about um, respecting education and trusting 
the wisdom of others. I'm not sure if that's exactly how you phrased it. But <laughs> I, something I, I, like I, that. Yeah, benefiting. Yeah, benefiting yeah. from the wisdom of others. <laughs> so one thing that I know for myself going out networking, when I hear someone like you doing a presentation, mm -hmm. I always learn something mm -hmm. that I didn't know mm -hmm. because it's not my background or education. And it reinforces that, you know, like when you actually sit down with a financial planner as an entrepreneur, womanpreneur, and start talking about like how to manage your company and build the wealth, there's some really cool things you can do if you're working with that dream team to structure your, your money and your company. And if we don't work with those experts, then we're just, you know, we're making money, we're paying it out, we're making money, we're paying it out, but we're not creating that like long-term plan mm -hmm. that experts like you can help women entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs in general to create and, and that results in more wealth because yeah. you manage the money better. Absolutely. The, you know, I, I do want to mention about why tax planning is so important going forward. So when you think about tax laws, how complicated it is. Every time when they change something, they, they never make it easier. It's no. actually more complicated, even the tax cut. So for people to think about when they are working so hard to build their business as an entrepreneur, you have already taken so all kinds of risks, right, to build a business. And not to plan carefully about how much you should pay taxes. And as your income grows, you are paying so much more than the beginning. So it's important for me because I was, you know, just imagine my prior profession was tax CPA. So I can tell you that wealthy people going forward, even though right now you're not in the wealthy category, but you still need to plan for it because you will be right someday in that category. So when we do financial planning, having the tool being able to see the tax report projected, if your income grow like this, where your marginal tax bracket will be in every single year. And for certain clients, when we have some strategies that we want to implement, uh, like a charitable giving, like using donor advice fund, or they have a highly appreciated company stock. And when we put all these complexity to, you know, we review, review them carefully and simplify the solutions in one place and say, you know, remember this, if you do this, this is how much taxes we can save you either this year, next year, or the year after. And we review that ongoing and do it multi-year tax planning. I personally don't prepare tax returns. However, because I can speak in the same language as your tax CPAs, right. so it's really good and I think it's important. If you know your company is doing so well, you don't wait until the tax season to do tax planning, right? You, right. you have to do it ongoing, preferably quarterly. You know, look at those numbers. It hasn't changed. You know, if, if you are having such a great year, we should talk about what we can do in a particular year, but then also look at next few years and knowing the tax laws keep changing, especially this tax cut, it's not permanent. Yeah. We know, you know, sunset provision too. So that's one thing I, I think for entrepreneurs and of course, including myself, 
Uh, I had a great year last year. Stock market had over 30% return. Unexpected. I think most people did not expect stock market to have over 30% return last year. But certainly, you know, I can see how much more taxes you pay. Just go, if you go up another 50,000, it's just totally in different category. Yeah. So, so I cannot uh, ignore telling people, you need to start financial planning that will include ongoing proactive tax planning because what it matters is the money you keep, right? Money right. you can keep in your pocket and yep. that's money saved. So um, we always want to help clients maximize risk adjusted after tax return. Those are the criteria how ongoing we can add value is we want to see risk adjusted that, you know, depend on how we assess your risk and how to construct a portfolio to fit your situation so you don't fire us exactly when you need us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell people, I was like, you know, if the market is always going up, you probably don't need anybody to help you. You know, you're yeah. just like, but when you have someone you can trust who knows your values and goals, this is the time that person can really bring real value to your life because when you have a peace of mind and you can focus your talents uh, and doing what you love to do every single day, building the business, whatever passion industry right. you're in, and leave the rest to your trusted financial advisor to do. And then they are going to help you grow wealth and keep more wealth too. Definitely. I want to just thank you for being here today. I want to find out the best website for people to go to to find your book. Sure. I would love to connect with your listeners. And uh, you can go to my website, ownyourfuture.guru. Guru is G-U-R-U. Ownyourfuture.guru. I want to be your guru to help you own your financial future. Um, you can connect with me on social media. LinkedIn is where I, I believe I'm quite active in. So send me, connect with me. Let me know where you have heard about me. And I would love to uh, have this conversation to help you uh, succeed. Terrific. And I encourage people to go pick up Echo's book, Own Your Future. From the part that I've read so far, it's great. And, and it's important as an entrepreneur on your journey to impact in the world that you look at your finances and manage them strategically. So I think that Echo's book will help you to do that. Yeah, I want to, well, thank you for the opportunity for me to spread the message here. And I think right now, uncertain times, right? And we face uncertainties. We do yeah. not know when this will end. I really want people to be inspired, not just that they can feel educated by reading the book. I want to inspire people to do something, like take action to improve their financial situation and believe in it. I don't want people to lose hope during this tough time because in the next six to 12 months, it could be really hard for many people. And if I didn't give up and I finally have arrived to a place, uh, achieved my American dream. And I believe that I can help more people doing that too. 
Terrific. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was great talking with you and so nice to meet you. And I appreciate all that you have talked to us about today. So you're very thank welcome. You. Thank you so much. Well, have a great day. Hey, hey, if you haven't picked up your copy of Visionary Womenpreneurs Field Guide yet, I encourage you to go get it at visionarywomenpreneurs.com. The field guide gives you the roadmap on how to build an impactful, successful business. So pick up your copy today and start building your incredible business. Thanks for joining me today at Visionary Women Printers Radio. I hope it was helpful to you in your journey as a visionary woman printer. And I hope that you'll join our community on Facebook, Visionary Women Printers, and join the conversation. I look forward to seeing you on our next show. Make it a great day. <music>